So um, I have a couple pictures because, you know, it's baby season at my house. And this is kind of where this whole thing started. Um, so we have this little, it's not up there, Bugsy. There he is. This little guy decided he needs to be like the center of everybody's attention. Like everybody else, they like you, but he is like, here I am, touch me, pet me, scratch me. I know your hand should be doing something other than just like holding it down at your side. But wait on the, the other one, the ear one, just wait. Um, and you know, I really felt like God said, you know, that's like my crop of kids. We have the kids of the church family or the body or the body of Christ that they wanna be around him and they wanna say, I went to church and all these things. And then there are these kids who are like, Father God, I need to be in your lap. You need to touch me, just hold me, whatever it is, wash over me. And I just see so much of that through this little guy because we have that opportunity. It's our choice. Like the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not gonna make us do anything. So tonight, how we approach him is what we're gonna receive. And I'm wanting to receive some things myself tonight. And so I wanna be like this little guy that's just right in, well, I'm not the father, but in the father's face saying, here I am, whatever it is you want to give me, go ahead and give me. And it just changed. Okay, so I called this this teaching tonight to whom is your brand registered so as I was sitting with these little guys that's like my favorite place you could just sit and there are no such thing as sad baby goats like it's not a thing they hop and jump and skip and twist and turn and you know do all the fun things and it's so fun to watch their little antics so I love to be there and as I'm I'm sitting there I'm realizing that little guy is actually already sold and I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, I'm, there's things I need to do for him to go to his new home. And one of them is um, we don't brand goats. We tattoo them. So before you tell pastors Kim and Steve that I told everybody to get tattoos, I am not saying that, <laughs> just so we all know. Um, but as I'm thinking about their tattoos, um, that is something that imprints onto them. And once it's there, it doesn't go away. So wherever he goes, or wherever anybody born on my ranch goes, they will always, you can show that now, David, they will always carry the C4B in their ear. Um, or if, you know, we have La Manchas that don't have ears, so that is in their tail web. Um, but wherever they go, that's how they know where that goat came from. He came from, from the Circle 4B. He's registered to me or was registered to me. And everywhere he goes, that's like his outward declaration of this is who I am. I'm, I was branded, you know, um, for them. So when the boys show and they win, because, you know, we're putting some faith into those things. When they win, that's the first thing that the judge does after he picks a winner is you have to bring your animal to them and he checks their tattoos. And their tattoos, there's actually one in each ear. This one, your right ear is your herd where they were born and the left ear is their actual identification. And so it tells the number of that they were born. And so um, if your brand doesn't match what you're saying, you actually don't win, you lose. Um, because they're, you're, you forfeited your, your right because you can't prove it's who the animal is. So, but anyways, with cattle and horses, they actually brand them with either like heat or liquid nitrogen, which is like the cold. Horses, usually it's cold and it turns their skin white and then you have that white brand on their hip. Um, 
But why do they do that? So branding, it's the main method of permanent identification, right? It's easy, it doesn't come off. Like ear tags, the sheep on our ranch, they carry ear tags. Well, guess what? They lose those things and they rip them out of their ears and now you can't put a new tag in because their ear is like ripped and broken. But when they brand a cow or a bull or steer or whatever or a horse, that thing either scars the skin on their hips or it, it kills the pigment on a horse, and that's what makes that brand come in white. And so it's permanent. It's a permanent identification of that animal, of whom he belongs to. You have to register your brand. They know who you are. There's actually such a thing as brand inspectors. So when cattle and horses sell, um, they actually is somebody at the sale yards checking brands to make sure none of those cattle are stolen. So it, it's a big thing, and it's all an outward declaration, basically, of who they belong to. Who do they belong to? So I don't know if you guys ever watched Bonanza, but that was like my favorite show growing up. Not that it was running when I was growing up, just so we all know, because I checked the dates on that this morning, and I was definitely watching reruns. <laughs> but I loved that show. I mean, little Joe had the coolest black and white Tobiano paint horse. I mean, he can't get any better than that. But they were always worried about their cattle that were branded because they had like the most land in all of Nevada and their cows just ran free. There wasn't fences. And so their people would, you know, go and round up the cattle and do whatever they had to do with them. And they knew they were theirs by whatever brand they carried. And it's, it's, it was an important thing. But when we come to God as a Christian, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are branded. And again, I'm not telling people to get tattoos, because I will be in so much trouble. So that is not what I am saying. <laughs> um, I am saying that you were branded. Whether or not you carry a physical thing, that is something that happened through the blood of Jesus. You were branded into that family of the Almighty God, and anybody that looks at you should see his brand upon you, clearly, without having to look for it or without having to call the brand inspector, without having to say, is that really a Christian? Like sometimes they act like it. They go to church, but that's not what we're called to do. We are called to stand apart, to be set apart from this world. And I believe that what God really is challenging me with is, is does that represent me? What you're doing, what you're saying, what you're watching, what you're listening to, whatever it is, whatever the scenario is. And it's not that, you know, we might be out watching horrible movies or we have mouths of sailors. It's not even that. But everything we do and say represents something. So what are we representing? 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, this is the Amplified. It says, praised, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay, imperishable, unsullied, and unfading, reserved, excuse me, in heaven for you. That's the next one, David. Hold on. Hold on. Um, so we're born into something, right? We accepted Jesus as our Lord. We're born anew. We, it says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And it's great and it's wonderful and it's a glorious experience, but it's not just a one-time experience because what we do there doesn't stop there. Like we are to ever be changing and says to go from glory to glory, right? The word says. And so what we should be looking at is, okay, Lord, 
is this what you would have me do today? Is this what you'd have me say? Is this what you'd have me watch? Is this what you'd have me drink? Is this where, whatever it is, whatever the, the situation is in every situation of our life, we need to start thinking about a gauge of, okay, so if somebody looks at me, am I on the God gauge or am I on the other gauge? Like which direction is our gauge going? So unlike cattle who wear their brand on a hip or a shoulder or goats that wear their herd tattoo in their ears or under their tails, we display to whom we belong in every action and word. You are either advertising that you belong to God or you're advertising you belong to the world and the devil. And I am preaching to myself. I'm stepping on my own toes a little bit today. But that's what the Bible says, death or life, right? We choose. We choose this day who we're going to serve. So that, to me, didn't say, well, sometimes you can do this and sometimes you can't. It's one or the other. It's black or white. So if we're doing or saying or whatever something that doesn't directly proclaim that we're living for Jesus the only other option is we are living for the devil because that's what the Bible says. That is not me. The Bible says that. It says one or the other. Choose this day. First John 4, 1 in the Passion says, delightfully loved friends. I love the Passion translation. <laughs> Don't trust every spirit, but carefully examine what they say to determine if they are of God because many false prophets have mingled into the world. And we know our pastors are so amazing about talking about the power of our words, whether good or bad, life or death. That is something that is so taught in this church. And it's, it's precious because guess what? That's not taught in all churches, just saying. Um, but in our church, that is something that is really taught that your words carry a weight. They carry a power, whether it's the power of life or the power of the death, whether it's the power of encouragement or discouragement, whatever it is. But the Bible tells us we carefully examine what they say to determine if they are of God. So that means that's a big thing to him too. We have to be very careful of the things that we are advertising for. When my kids step into the show ring, you know, in all of their wisdom, dairy goat kids have to wear pure white which is great, by the way, in dirt and animal slobber and you know everything else. It's fantastic. But on their shoulder, they have the Circle 4B Ranch logo. So as soon as they step out there, it is an absolute proclamation of this is who I'm representing. And that's kind of the same thing that we're talking about with the brand. You're branded. People know you go to church. People know I go to church. So if I'm, you know, checking in, I'm at New Life Church, and then the next day I'm doing something where people are like, wasn't she just at church? Really? <laughs> that seems odd. I just feel so um, just encouraged and, and challenged to really tighten some things up, and not because we're running amok and being lawless or, you know, any of those things, but because... I, I felt it in prayer today when we were praying. Like, this is a time where we need to have a little bit of a sobering as a body because I think there's an opportunity that we can feel kind of lax. Like, you know, we're just doing the same thing and we're going to church on Wednesday and we're going to church on Sunday and, you know, Jesus hasn't come back yet. And so it's, you know, we're just doing the same thing. But it's not that way. The times that we are living in are at the point where we can't be sleeping anymore if we were sleeping. We need to be awake and alert. We need to be standing guard. We need to be saying some things. We need to be praying some things. We need to be standing in some gaps because that's who pushes back those things. Is It's the church. The church is the one that pushes back the darkness and the evil and all the things. 
And again, we've read the Bible. We know that we're victorious. So why aren't we saying, hey, we're victorious? You're gonna have to knock some of that stuff off. I just feel like we are, we are at the point where we're like, okay, God is saying, are you guys ready? Because he's ready, right? So he's waiting for us to say, okay, God, we're ready. Like, let's, let's do this. Who can we save? Who can we touch? Who can we minister to? Who can we change? And not because we're great and glorious or I'm wonderful and I can go out and save people. No, it's, it's the spirit within us that does the work. That's what the word says. It says that he'll give us the words to say if we'll just open our mouth. And so that takes like the burden off of ourselves because now we're not having to think, oh my goodness, what am I gonna say to them? No, we open our mouth and the Lord fills it. And I believe that as we do so, it's exactly what people are needing to hear because people are searching for something. They don't know it's Jesus they don't have a clue it's Jesus actually because they are searching for all kinds of funky things. But the opportunity for us to stand up and say, hey, this is who God is all about. This is who he is. He loved you. He died for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. You were, you were ordained before you were born to do the things that he wants you to do because he loved you. And it's our opportunity to do those things. But if we're not representing God well, people are gonna go, yeah, that's a bummer choice. Like, we're not gonna do that either. Like, we'd rather go, you know, drink something, smoke something, go do something stupid. We need to be to the point where we are ready to say, nope, I'm in the place and I'm ready. Let's do it. James 3, 2 through 12, this is also the passion. Um, it says, we all fall in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words, we say we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that, they, that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of the human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. That's powerful. Like, if you think about that, like, how many times has somebody said something to you and, like, five years later, you'll be thinking about it and be like, oh, my goodness, that still hurts. That's very true. It's biblical. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It is fickle, it is a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who is made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. We need some fresh water. We need that flowing of the Holy Spirit, that water, that river of living water that is in the Holy One. We need that to consume us and we can't be polluting it and expecting to stand in clear water. You know, if you've ever been camping, my family didn't really camp, but Daniel's family camped. Um, 
you know, you don't go to the bathroom in the river. You go to the bathroom somewhere else because you want to use the river for other things. Well, it's the same thing with us. And this isn't just a words thing and be careful about our words because we know that. We've heard that many times. You know, like I said, our, our, our pastors are amazing on leading and guiding and directing us about the power of words. But this is in every area. Like you can't have it both ways. You're gonna serve one or the other. The, the Bible says that the, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And so you're choosing what you're following depending on what you're saying or what you're doing. Not one thing you do is private. It declares to the physical and spirit world whose brand you are carrying this is so powerful if you don't really think about that because we think about you know our words and what we say and what we do and how it's important, but you're making a declaration not only to this physical world but to the spirit world of who, to whom you belong. So in the spirit realm, there are things that obviously we don't see. We can't see the spirit realm. But when we release things out in out of ourselves and into the spirit realm, you can bet that there are things immediately put into operation. And they're either put into the operation of we're gonna go towards God or we're gonna go towards not God, which happens to be the devil. And that sounds really rude, but it's true. You can't, there isn't a middleman. You don't choose God or maybe just, you know, this thing. No, you choose God or you choose the devil. That's just how it is. So Nothing you do is private. It declares to the physical and spirit world whose brand you are carrying. Galatians 5, 19 through 25, it talks about um, the, the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. And you guys all know this, but I put it in there just so you know I'm not making things up. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, David's not fast enough. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are all the things of the flesh. And it's not even talking about, like we think about bad things like murder. Did you know murder's not even on the list of the right here? I mean, not that you can go out and murder somebody because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but and when we think about, oh, those bad sins and I'm not doing that, so I must be okay. That's not even one of them. But hatred is and outbursts of wrath and dissension and envy. Oh, actually murder is there. It's at the very end. I just can't read. Um, but the, the ones all before it are the, the smaller things that we might not even like really think about. Like, I'm just going to be honest. There have been lots of outbursts of wrath in my lifetime. And then I come back and go, wow, that was a bummer. I should not have done that. Lord, forgive me. Help me to do the things you want me to do. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So again, we can either walk in the Spirit or we can walk in the flesh. We cannot do both things at the same time. You know, there's, when I was a kid, there was the saying that always said, you can't ride two horses with one, well, rear end. Um, and you can't. You choose one or the other. You can't ride both. You can't do both things because they're warring against each other. So, you know, James tells us that, you know, if, if you pray and you doubt all those things, you're a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Well, when you're choosing to ride the fence line, 
you're unstable in all your ways because your whole life is warring against itself because that's what the Bible says. You choose one or the other. And if you're trying to war, no wonder things are so chaotic and, and goofy because people are just, I love Jesus and I want to go to church on Sunday. Or how many of you have seen the cup that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little? And I'm like, why would you declare that? That is like the worst, like brand on yourself. Like, I love Jesus, but I'm gonna say some potty words. Like, let's just be honest. It's, it's a terrible representation. And yet you see them all over the place. And I'm not bringing judgment to anybody. I'm just saying I have seen those things. Um, but that's not what God is wanting from us. And it's not because he's up there going, you know, I really don't want you guys to have any fun. He's saying, I want you to live in the spirit because that is where your best life is. Your abundance of life is. That's where you can be the person that I've called you to be, the person that I predestined to be. That's where you fulfill your callings. That's where you fulfill your giftings. That is where your life is abundant, is in the spirit and in him. It's not because he doesn't want us to do stuff or he wants us to miss out on the fun of this world. The fun is in him doing what he wants us to do and what we're called to do. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We know all these verses, guys. We are preaching to the choir tonight. Um, but it kind of makes you think a little bit different when you really start thinking about that. Pastor Steve, it's been several weeks ago, he was saying that he really was starting to think about, you know, taking care of his body different because he's re not realizing, but he's remembering or feeling a new passion about his body really being the temple of God and how he wants to care for it. And that kind of put a little bit of a, burr in my saddle <laughs> because that's so hard. Cake is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't eat a whole lot of cake these days, but you know, for real, that is, it's a hard thing. And that's such a little thing in our lives that, you know, I have not always thought that, you know, my body is a temple of God. Maybe I shouldn't have my third cupcake. <laughs> but you know, if we'll just go back to him, like there, his grace is amazing. And I am so thankful that he just loves us. He doesn't love us, but no, he just loves us. He just, he's like that little silver guy. He just wants you to come right into his face. He wants you to want to be next to him, to be in his lap, to hear his voice and feel his body. And like, he wants us to be that close to him. It's precious to him. Because when that little guy climbs up in my lap, it's really hard to have like a hard heart while he's like in your lap and chewing on your face and, you know, kissing you all over. And that's what God wants from us. He's like, come to me. He said to give me your burdens because my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. He wants those things from us if we'll just be willing to let go of some things. Um, we should be exuding that we are Christians, not merely in title, but in word and deed. And the thought that I thought about was, have you ever been around somebody that wears a lot of cologne or perfume? <laughs> And that's all you smell for like a good 15 minutes long after they've left the room. Um, there was this lady when I was a kid and um, my mom ran the, the school lunch program and she, they, she would have to walk through the, the lunch area to drop her kid off at preschool. 
at least a half an hour after that lady left, that is all you smelled was her perfume. And it smelled great. But what a fragrance that has. But 2 Corinthians 2.15 in the Amplified says, for we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which exhale, which exhales, exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. It's saying we're the fragrance of God, not only to people here in this room, but to everybody. It says those being saved and those who are perishing. So when you're walking around doing whatever you're doing, you're leaving a fragrance, whether it's good or bad, and you can decide what your bad smells are. But those are your choices. You either leave the fragrance of God or you leave the fragrance that nobody wants to be around. <laughs> So how do we do these things? Do you guys remember the old song, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? For your father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see? But it goes on to say, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little heart, who you trust. Be careful, little mind, what you think. That's how we do this. We renew our mind. We are careful about what we're saying, what we're doing, not because we need to live in fear. This is not a, hey, you need to leave in live in fear message whatsoever. This is not, oh my goodness, I'm so afraid to talk or walk or do anything. This is not that. This is, God is really challenging us to rise up. And I've felt like this for a while, like we are getting ready to be in another level of glory. I really believe that. But I feel like it's gonna cause us to need to trim some things. It's gonna cause us, I talked about one time, I really feel like our level of honor is gonna be, have to be completely different to move up. And this is another little area where I feel like God is saying, this is what we have to work on to get you exactly where I need you for such a time as this. Because things could turn out differently if the church does not rise up, right? So Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, therefore God has also highly exalted him, meaning Jesus, and given Jesus, him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the God of the Father. You know, um, have you guys been keeping up with the Bible readings? It's a good question, right? They are really good. And I really want to challenge you. I know I've asked some children that should remain nameless <laughs> what they've been getting from the Bible reading. And one of the responses was, oh, it's just the story of Jesus telling stories. It obviously wasn't my children, right? Um, and it is. They are his parables and they are his stories. But I challenge you guys, I really have taken to trying to write down something that I get from it like every day. And there's stories that we've heard and there are parables that we've heard and you know, a lot of them have to do with animals, which is great. So I really appreciate Jesus in that aspect. <laughs> but um, write down something because there is something you can draw from it. And last week when we did Matthew 13, there was all the different parables of um, the wheat and the chaff and the leaven and the bread and all these things where Jesus was setting a line in the sand of you're either gonna be on this side or you're gonna be on this side. And you're gonna be known by what side you choose. And it's not just a, 
It's not, nothing we do is just about us. It's about our testimony and touching other people. It's not just because, oh, I, I need to be a better person. And we do, we do need to be better people for the Lord because that's what he's called us to be. He's called us out from all these things. But we need to be his church, his body, because there's a world that needs us. There's a world that needs him and the only way that happens is through us. I mean, he can come down and do miracles and stuff. You know, obviously, we're not putting a box on God. But we know that God uses people. And we need to be the people that say, here I am, God. Send me. I'm ready. I've prepared for such a time as this. You know, Pastor Kim wrote about it, I think this week or maybe last week, about Esther, about how she didn't go unto the king who could have ordered her to be put to death in fear, she went unto the king as, here I am, because she knew who she was. She had prepared those things. And God has really been talking to me about preparing some things on purpose. Like, you get to your job on time every day because you prepared on purpose, right? Well, I don't go to a job every day anymore, but, you know, for people that do go to a job every day, chances are you're not late every single day because you probably wouldn't have a job. But you prepared because you set your alarm so you'd have enough time to, time to shower and do your makeup and have coffee and do all those things and then get to work. And yet sometimes we can't seem to make it to church on time because we didn't plan and we didn't prepare. Again, no condemnation. I'm just saying these are things God is talking to me about. You know, we have plans and preparations that we need to be doing because every single person in this room and every single person listening on YouTube, there is a calling on your life. God bought you at a steep price. It cost him his only son, you know, almost losing our only son at the time. You know, Ryan, when he was in NICU, that's a heart-wrenching thing. And I hope nobody ever has to go through something like that. It's horrible. But that's what God did willingly for us. He gave up his son. That's a huge price that he paid for us because you're called. You have a purpose. There is a plan for your life. And it's more than just, I need to make money so I can pay bills. God did not send us to this earth to make money to pay bills. Like, yes, it's important and we need to do that. And I get that, Daniel. I understand about money. Just shush. <laughs> but that's not our purpose your purpose isn't going to do whatever you do all day long, you know? <laughs> My purpose, believe it or not, is actually not to sit in the goat pens all day long, although I'm quite enjoying it. Um, there is a plan and a purpose for every single person. You are called. You are called by the Almighty God, and it's a, it is a calling that only you can fulfill. That doesn't mean that if you don't do it, God won't rise up somebody else, because he will. But it does mean that what you have to do, what is ordained by God, only you can do. Because I can guarantee you, if Amanda came up and read my notes, they would not sound like me. Because she has her own gifts and callings, and God probably does not talk to her in cattle brands and goats. I can guarantee that's probably not the case. So you have a calling of what you're supposed to do and only you can do it and because God has prepared you to do those things and the things he's put inside of you, your giftings and your callings, those are yours and they're yours to fulfill your mission, not just yours so you can make money and pay bills and raise a family and not that those things aren't important because God knows those things too. But it's because 
there's a place you're supposed to go. There's a place we're supposed to go. And our pastors have been talking about being connected. Um, and my goodness, it's been so good, you guys, right? I've just been really enjoying it. But um, on a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Steve was talking and he said, um, oh, no, I lost it. <laughs> Satan's scheme to disable his enemy or Satan's scheme to disable his enemy's strength is by bringing division. That is powerful, powerful, because our connection is where our strength is. That's what this says. So if we can get separated, you know, I always say a lone sheep is a dead sheep, and if you don't believe that, you should come out to my house and play with the sheep, and then you'll want to talk to Jesus about him calling you sheep also. Um, be, but there's power in us being connected. And you, what you bring to this body is not a little thing. Who you are and how God got you to this church in Liberty Hill, Texas, where there's lots of churches around, but why he put you here in this body is not a little thing. It's a divine connection. And I really believe that. And the more the pastor Steve talks, the more I'm kind of convicted about you know, remember when I said, you know, I'm not very nice to my body about the cupcake thing. <laughs> so sometimes we're not very nice to our bodies and that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be connected. And if you've ever had a body part that didn't work quite right or like when I broke my toe and lost my toenail, oh my gosh, your toe is so important. It is so important. It brings a supply. And the devil wants to deactivate that and he deactivates that by saying, you don't matter. You don't have to go to church. They're not even gonna miss you. You don't do anything anyways. Guys, we have an hour and a half drive on the way to church in the morning. There's a lot of times the devil say, you know, you could just sleep in today. You could just, you know, whatever. But he does that because he knows exactly what Pastor Steve said. His scheme is to disable his enemy's strength and that is done by bringing division. So if we're not here, we miss you. How many miss Melanie when she's not here? My goodness. Like my favorite story when I do membership classes is about Melanie. So maybe you'll have to go through membership class so we know how we talk about you behind your back. <laughs> but it's true. She has a supply we miss. And so does Miss Diana. And so does Paula. And so does Sandra. Everybody does. You have something you bring to this body. And we need it. We need you. We need you here. Just like, believe it or not, you need me and my gut stories. Here. <laughs> Something that the Lord said to me, and I know we're talking about some other things that I really am wrapping up, I promise. Um, so you cannot look for the name of Jesus to carry power when you have been using it as a curse word the rest of your week. That is probably like one of my cringe, like, you know, you know, I have the pet peeve when people call Pastor Kim, Kim. It like literally makes my skin crawl a little bit. But this is my other skin crawl. It's such a little thing. It's just a little word and everybody says, oh my, whatever. And, or they say, you know, other things. That's the very same name you're wanting to draw power out of. The reason I call Pastor Kim, Pastor Kim is because that's what I'm drawing from her. She is my pastor. I've known her for 10 years. They are my family. I love them. But she will always be Pastor Kim. 
And sometimes I tell Daniel, who are you talking about? And he's like, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like, no, because I think you said Pastor Kim, right? <laughs> but that's who she is to me. And that name and that title in my life, that carries power to me. And when I call her in the middle of the night and say, Pastor Kim, I need you to pray with me, I am calling my pastor, and that is who I am drawing that power from when she connects with me in the spirit. So when we are saying the Lord's name in any other way other than holy God, you're amazing, I'm just telling you, you are devoiding his name of power in your life. And like I said, you can take that up with God because that is how he said it to me, but you cannot look for the name of Jesus to carry power when you have been using it as another kind of word the rest of the week or a curse word the rest of the week. Just a little thing, little tweaks here and there. Like we're always growing and changing and tweaking things. Guys, my hair is a different color today. We are always tweaking things, right, ladies? <laughs> always tweaking things. So why do we think that, yay, we got saved and now we're not going to hell and that's the end of it? Like why do we think that? It's not true, and that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to go from glory to glory. That means we've got somewhere else to go other than right here in this place doing whatever I'm doing at the moment. There's something else. There's something higher. There's something bigger. There's something deeper. I want to get in God's lap, and I want him to, you know, scratch me behind the ears and do all the little things that the little silver buck gets when he climbs up into my lap because He's got all those things for us if we'll just stop and be like, you know what? I just, I need to choose to be in your lap today. Choose this day who you're gonna serve. Choose this day who you're gonna serve with your words or your time or your actions or your finances. There's a lot of things that we can serve other masters with other than just our word. You know, our money, we can definitely serve other things with our money. We can definitely serve other things with our actions and our words and our time. Our time is probably the most precious thing that we have, right? It's something we can't produce, but it's something we definitely can burn. I like to burn it in the goat pen with the babies because they're always happy. Anyways, my... I hope that you are not offended at me, but you are challenged because I just, I feel so challenged the more and more that um, we, the more and more that we're getting in this era of life that we're in, there's so much more. You know, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not about making a paycheck and paying bills and raising kids and, you know, working on cars or whatever job it is you do. It really is about the kingdom and the time that we choose to either invest doing kingdom business or the time that we choose not doing kingdom business, that's time we don't ever get back. You know, money comes and goes, mostly goes, Daniel would argue, but it does come also. <laughs> See, I'm being honest in church right now. Did you hear that? That was a good choice of my words. <laughs> um, anyways, I just... I challenge us. I challenge myself in this too. This is not just for y'all. This is totally for me. These are things God said to me and through me for a reason. So don't take them lightly. Don't take it as a this is just another Wednesday and you know Emma's talking about goats and cows and weird things again. You know, but take this as a divine opportunity that was in the presence of God 
a divine connection with our body. And let's go further. Let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Let's do the things God has called us to do. Because this church is called to do amazing things. I can't even tell you in the 10, it's almost 11 years now, I guess, that we've been with them. I cannot tell you the prophecies that have been prophesied over our pastors and over our church. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Them being an end times church, that's a huge one. Um, It requires us to do some things, to be prepared. And like I said, God has been saying to me, prepare on purpose. Prepare on purpose. Prepare to be here on time on purpose. Prepare to have your heart right on pur- on purpose. Wow, this is a lot of peas. You know, Sandra challenged us that this morning, or this morning, my goodness, this afternoon, when she said, whatever it is, leave it at the door, and you come in. And that's what we're to do. Leave it at the door. Come in and do, be in his presence and change some things and slough off some things. I'd like to slough off some things. <laughs> um, but that's what, that's what we can do. This is a place of exchange. They didn't know I was gonna talk about all these things and yet here we are talking about trading some things for the better things of God and that's exactly what this whole thing is about. We're just trading off some things and it's not like, oh man, I have to give up my car because you know I need to love Jesus better. No, it's I'm giving up sickness so that I can walk in health. I'm giving up poverty so I can walk in abundance. I'm giving up saying the Lord's name in vain so that I can use it in the time of power that I need. Like, we're not missing out on anything. We're gaining stuff. So we need to look. This is the only time when you say, I want to gain, right? I want to gain some things. And the things we want to gain are the things of the spirit. They're not the things of the flesh.